Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHKs I've known, and four things up for review this week. First up is the Mean Girls movie musical, not to be confused with the stage musical, or the Mean Girls movie that came out in 2004. Then there's The Beekeeper, starring Jason Statham. Then there is the Marvel Spotlight series, Echo. And finally, the prequel series to the film Ted, it's also called Ted on Peacock. First up is the movie musical version of Mean Girls, which is based on the stage musical version of Mean Girls, which is based on the 2004 film version of Mean Girls, which in and of itself is based on a book called Queen Bees and Wannabes. So quite a path of adaptations, ironically, mirroring the path of something like The Color Purple, which just came out as a movie musical again. A lot more time lapsed between the Color Purple movie versions versus just the 20 years that have lapsed between the 2004 and the current version. It's deeply upsetting to me that it has been 20 years since the Mean Girls movie came out. It's up there as, you know, a a top movie for me. I think the way it had an impact on the cultural zeitgeist, the way that people still quote it today, you know, it was, I hate to say this, it was memeable before things were memes. You know, I, I think it's also just a really brilliantly written, acted, film, etc. So when they say they are making another version of it, and yes, I know 20 years is a long time, but so I'm like, do we need this? But much like The Color Purple, I go, okay, fine. It's a musical take on it, right? So let's see what they have to offer. Now, as somebody who was around when the 2004 version came out, it's tough to go into this with no expectations just because I felt like I was watching this waiting for the moments that I assumed were going to happen because they're such key moments. So it creates this sort of weird conundrum where it's not a new movie, but there are also new things. And, you know, I, I haven't seen the film in a really long time. So it's also it's hitting this nostalgia, but it's also kind of hitting this like dissonance where you're like, I don't that's not who does that? What's happening here? I don't know what the experience will be like for people who have never seen Mean Girls in any iteration, but I don't necessarily get the sense that like a brand new audience is going to be going to see this. And, you know, again, to be clear, it is a musical. It's a very full on musical. And one of the things I was actually pretty impressed by is how well it embraces the medium of film in terms of the musical sequences. Again, not it's so strange to compare it to Color Purple because Color Purple is just this like almost prestige thing, but Mean Girls holds its own in its own ways. So anyway, you know, I think the recent Color Purple film adaptation and this Mean Girls adaptation do a really good job of embracing the ability to have cool camera tricks and have camera moves and things that you can't have on stage. Now, where it falls apart a little bit for me, and, and I think the music is fine and fun. I was not familiar with it. I haven't seen the stage show, so I can't compare it from that. But but it's all well written and relatively well performed. But this is where my issue with it lies. And this is a similar issue I had with Wonka where, you know, some of the characters in this, uh, the, the new cast, can definitely sing, right? They are clearly singers. They are excellent singers. But just because you're a good singer doesn't mean you can face act while you sing necessarily and on the flip side of that some people who can face act singing aren't the strongest singers themselves they're not nobody in this film is a bad singer but you know I said this about Wonka Timothy Chalamet cannot sing like at all so I don't understand why you would cast him in a movie musical in the case of this Mean Girls reboot Angry Rice plays Katie this time and I think she's a really great actress I remember being first impressed by her in The Nice Guys where she plays the little kid Uh, she's also in Spider-Man and far from home and anyway she's not bad in this but I'm like this is a movie musical shouldn't you be blowing me away with your like vocal talents she has the look that Lindsay Lohan had in the original film version and you know again, her face acting while she sings wise 
does a very good job, but the vocals are just okay. And then you contrast that with somebody like Renee Rapp, who plays Regina George in this, who I think is, you know, great casting. She is from the Sex Lives of College Girls. She's clearly a singer-singer, but sometimes I don't think her face acting was as good as her singing was on screen. Now, I think the rest of the supporting cast does a really lovely job. I was not familiar with the majority of the youths. I knew who Angry Rice was. I knew who Renee Rapp was. I was very excited to see Auli'i Cravalho play Janice in this I don't know, you know, again, it's so hard because they are all trying to fill such big shoes. And I think Lizzie Kaplan is just so good in that time. You've got Jaquel Spivey as Damien. You've got Avantika as Karen. B.B. Wood as Gretchen Wieners. Christopher Briney as Aaron Samuels. I am not at all familiar with Christopher Briney, but I guess he's from The Summer I Turned Pretty. Uh, Jenna Fisher plays Katie's mom. Busy Phillips plays Regina George's mom. She does an excellent job. Ashley Park plays the French teacher. And then Tina Fey and Tim Meadows are back basically in their same roles, which they're wonderful in, but it is one of those things where it's like, because some of the cast is mix and match, if you've seen the original, you are inherently going to just get sucked into comparisons. So overall, I think, you know, the music is fun and fine. I had a good time at the film. I just did spend the majority of it going, oh, this is new, or oh, this is a fun way to, uh, you know, approach this very well-known moment, or oh, okay, this is the way they said the line. You know, I enjoyed my experience there. I don't think I'll ever watch this version again, not in a rude way, you know, I wouldn't turn it off if it was on, but I don't know, you know, for me, it's really hard because the original film is just so cemented in my head, but I think it's fun. It seems like it would be a good group outing movie. You know, I went with friends, we had a good time. There's nothing particularly bad about it. There's just room for improvement. But I'm going to give it a 3.7 out of 5. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. The next film I have is called The Beekeeper. And this one stars Jason Statham as a beekeeper slash the same character that he plays in every single other movie, which is just Jason Statham. It's directed by David Ayer. And the premise behind it is, is basically this beekeeper who also, you know, of course has military assassin, you know, level skills and access to technology that seems just absolutely ridiculous. He goes on a rightful revenge spree. The rest of the cast is rounded out by Jeremy Irons, Minnie Driver, Felicia Rashad. It also has Emmy Raver Lampman, Bobby Nadiri, and Josh Hutcherson, whose name I seriously had trouble pronouncing. So this is, if you are a fan of Jason Statham, you're going to have a fine time at this movie. I am a fan of Jason Statham. I think he's utterly absurd. Uh, you know, he falls into this category of it's, you don't need a backstory for the character because they play the same character over and over. So we just kind of give them the benefit of the doubt where I'm like, yeah, you don't need to waste time, I guess, telling me why this man has these skills and why he has access to all these things because I just know because he's being played by Jason Statham, I should just accept this at face value. This is a very face value movie. There is much room for improvement with this one as well. My first and top note is needed more bees. There are actually bees in the movie, but I needed way more bees. It, you know, it's silly. It's convoluted. Go with a friend. Don't necessarily go sober. It falls into this bizarre space of it's taking itself seriously enough. So it's not a parody. It's not, you know, trying to send anything up. But it also has enough bizarre humor to it that, you know, it's not like a James Bond, right? Although James Bond sometimes has humor in it. But yeah, I don't know. It's, we were trying, I went with my friend Tim and we were trying to figure out what a comparable film is. And it's not like something like The Meg, also starring Jason Statham, because the circumstances of that are so utterly absurd. Although maybe it is in some senses like The Meg. The closest we could sort of come up with was, you know, the middle of the Fast franchise because it hits this point of, 
serious about the action, and this film is very action-oriented and very gross at certain points, uh, serious about the action, but also is starting to get, like, weird and self-referential. You know, it's again, it's that middle time. It's not nearly as good as anything in the Fast franchise, I will say, but... Yeah, basically, the point is, if you are a Jason Statham fan, have a wonderful time at The Beekeeper. If you are an action movie fan and want to turn your brain off, have a wonderful time at The Beekeeper. If this is not your cup of tea, if this type of thing, you know, if you don't want to see explosions and people just being eviscerated and all that type of stuff and bees, uh, you know, you know, yeah, this is not for you. But I had a good time. I'm going to give it a 3.4 out of 5. That's being incredibly generous. But you know what? When you have a good time, you have a good time. The next thing I have is Echo, which is a spotlight series from Marvel. It's the first of its kind. It's meant to be a sort of self-contained thing within the MCU. It's available on both Disney Plus and Hulu, which is fascinating. But I am so rooting for this character. I am so rooting for Alakwa Cox, who plays her. Maya Lopez is the character. And, you know, she is the first deaf and indigenous. And, you know, she's an amputee. I I want her to succeed so bad. I think... Alakwa Cox does a great job in this. It also clearly partnered super closely with the Choctaw Nation, and so there's like a level of authenticity to it. It also stars Chaska Spencer, Graham Greene, Tantu Cardinal, Zan McLaren, and then, hopefully this is not a spoiler, but Vincent D'Onofrio is back as Wilson Fisk slash Kingpin. I, uh, I liked it. I thought it should have been a movie. And this is the same comment I have about the majority of these Marvel, you know, series that we've seen on Disney Plus and now Disney Plus and Hulu. You know, I I thought it was good. I, again, love this character and I think she gives a really great performance. But (laughs) there were times where I was like, ooh, this is a little repetitive, a little filler. And it's kind of, you know, it's a new thing for them where they dropped all the episodes at once. I watched the first half of them actually like a month ago. And so I picked it up, you know, episodes four and five. I was like, what happened again? And it was enough of recaps in each episode and not just the recap bit what plays in the beginning. I was like, oh, yeah, no, this is a little repetitive. We could have maybe shaved this down. And story-wise, it could have fit in a movie versus something like the Marvels, which I actually would have liked to see as a series. So even though it's considered a spotlight, like you are going to watch this if you are keeping up with the Marvel Universe. And I think you're going to have a good time. It is not the strongest of all of the things. And I'm not saying it's not strong, but it's also not the weakest of all of the things. And then if you are, for whatever reason, behind on the MCU or... I don't think you can enter this without having seen anything as much as they're calling it like a kind of special event type thing. You know, you you have to be, know who Wilson Fisk is, right? You have to know what happened in Hawkeye. They'll tell you in it, but like it's, you know, that's so much to catch up on. But, you know, if you are a little rusty or you're a little behind, you'll be pretty fine. It's relatively standalone, but yeah, I think it's absolutely worth checking out. And then the last thing I have this week is a new prequel series called Ted, which is a prequel to the film's. Ted, which is the very lewd teddy bear voiced by Seth MacFarlane. I, it is so strange to me. So my mother does not like swearing. She is like very anti-drugs and drinking and all this stuff. She loves Ted. Like she loves Ted. And I don't quite understand it. It is truly mind-boggling to me and my sister. But she, she literally, she texted me. She's like, I love that bear. <laughs> but I told her that Ted was coming out. Yeah. So, you know, It is fascinating how it has found an audience in people who do not normally necessarily like Seth MacFarlane's, you know, coarser sense of humor. I am generally a fan of Seth MacFarlane, although I will say that, like, I took, I used to watch Family Guy semi-religiously, and I just kind of stopped after a while because some of it just, it got old. And also, like, sometimes it ventured it too into blue humor for me, so 
you know, and I know Ted is that. And it's one thing to watch a two-hour movie of Ted. It's another thing to watch seven episodes of it, which is how long this season is. And they're, you know, some of them are shorter, some of them are longer. I don't know if we needed a prequel. There are plenty of moments that I will fully acknowledge I laughed very, very hard at. There are some episodes that are a little more forgettable, maybe a little more of a background watch. But if you're a fan of Ted, if, if you're a fan of Seth MacFarlane's humor, like, you're going to have a good time at this. You know, if you like burp jokes, fart jokes, like, things that are a little off color, like, this is definitely for you it was interesting with Ted because they they introduce a character because this is the younger version of the character eventually played by Mark Wahlberg in the films you know it is strange because it takes place in the 90s and I feel like they knew they couldn't get away with that quite that level of crassness for this many episodes they introduced a few characters to try and kind of PC it up a little bit or be like the voice of PC reason which I appreciated but I don't think it came as naturally to the writers, etc., as the other characters do. And so it, it felt a little stilted sometimes. Uh, it stars Scott Grimes, who is a constant Seth MacFarlane collaborator. He was on the Orville. Alana Eubach, Max Burkholder, and Georgia Wiggum, and Seth MacFarlane as uh, Ted again. And uh, also be prepared for some inconsistent Boston accents because sometimes they go very hard and sometimes you go, where did the accent go? But if you're a fan of Ted, if you don't know anything about Ted, I don't. No, if you should start with this, it's helpful. And I feel like the movies are actually like strangely warmer and uh, it sets up a lot of the references. It's helpful to see the movies first or at least the first movie. I don't find the second Ted movie particularly memorable, but I think you could start with this and then get to the movies. But I sense this is more for people who were already fans of this character. And I will say they did such a good job with the animation because budgets for series are usually much smaller than the budgets for films. And so the fact that Ted looks as good as he does the entire time and is like cute at times and lewd at others, you know, A plus there. So all the episodes of this Ted series are streaming now on Peacock. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a review, or even consider subscribing.